Today we are talking about dealing with disappointments. And I wonder if there are any disappointed souls in the room today after the result, the Rugby World Cup results. Um, yesterday, I hear it was, it was quite sorrowful when South Africa took the cup, especially if you had have been somebody who had have paid thousands of pounds to get over to Japan and, uh, and watch and wait for England um, in their moment, and it didn't happen, right? We have the highs and we have the lows. Um, We have, we get excited, we get um, expectant that something's going to happen and it doesn't come to pass. Isn't that what happens? And obviously the degree of disappointment ranges. So two weeks ago, I had ordered my Tesco delivery to come at a certain time and I had the kids all ready. They were going to help me with it and then I was going to pack them off to bed. But Tesco's let me down and they were two hours late and I was disappointed. I popped into TK Maxx a while back. I saw this beautiful cushion um, and I thought, I'm going to buy it. Um, I thought, no, hold on. Ben's been talking about money. Let's, be, let's, let's take a moment, go back home, think a bit. Um, but of course, all I could think about was that beautiful cushion. And I went back to TK Maxx and it was gone. And TK Maxx are fantastic at doing one the, the one unique thing, aren't they? Um, but you have to grab it. Um, but obviously, the degrees of disappointment range. And, um, and I wanted to take a gap year after school. I really felt this was something that maybe God was leading me into. And, um, and I applied to lots of different Christian gap years. And I think there were about four And I got rejected um, time and time again. I mean, I must have been pretty bad to be offering free services um, for a year um, and to get knocked back. Um, But it was disappointing. and, And I was disappointed at the process of it as well. I got onto something, don't worry. I was okay. I was restored a little bit. Um... But we get disappointed, and at the moment, I'm not going to say much about this, but we hold disappointment about politics, don't we? And uh, and that's the end of that. I remember um, about 10 years ago, maybe more, I was sitting watching the news, and, and what they were doing, I think it was about Black Friday, and they had all these images and pictures of people going mad, and they played the Jack Johnson song. I don't know any Jack Johnson fans in the room. Just a few. Yes, we are peppered, but few. Um, it's, uh, he sang a song saying, where did all the good people go? We've got heaps and heaps of what we sow. As he played these, uh, these, these images on the news played of like our society running havoc. Um, I remember it, and it was over a decade ago, but it was deeply disappointing. And I felt that there was something that was leaking on the news about just disappointment. And I've been disappointed by churches. I've been disappointed by leaders. Um, I've been disappointed by myself in church. I've wanted more for church, and I've been disappointed by limitations put on it. As a counsellor, um, I get disappointed in the room when I don't see positive progress at times. And I get disappointed. And then we have the bigger, more impacting disappointments. More personal. 
Whenever I was six, I was about to go into P2, and during that summer, um, I remember feeling disappointed as I heard that my one friend that I was going to be sitting with in P2, um, Judith, had been knocked over by a car um, in Bangor. And, uh, and I remember feeling very disappointed that, um, that, that I wouldn't have a friend in P2, that I was going to miss, miss her. Um, and, uh, and actually, whenever I was 15, um, my friend Sarah was knocked over again um, by a car and killed in Bangor. And, uh, and I remember this time feeling the disappointment, um, but in a different way. I was disappointed at God. I was disappointed um, with this sort of self-righteous anger that he could have stepped in. He could have done better. Um, I, I felt I had the right to be disappointed um, with God in that moment. And then there seemed to this emerge this pattern that when I had grief or I had pain, it was kind of okay for me um, to go at God and, uh, and, and say, look, I'm disappointed with you. You could have done better. As if God was withholding his best. And at the times that I so needed his intervention, um, he was just watching and, uh, and in the worst case, that he was actually letting me get hurt because I wasn't worth loving and I wasn't worth stepping in to rescue. I've, I have felt disappointed with others when, you've put my, when I've put my trust in people and I feel let down. And I've put that disappointment as their problem. And I've put it on others. Well, I'm disappointed, but it's because of them. And then I felt disappointed when I haven't measured up to my own expectations or I've continually failed in an area and I've said something um, wrong or done something ridiculously stupid, which does happen, um, but I experience this disappointment in myself. And it seems to me that disappointment is part of the broken world that we live in because at times we see God's beautiful kingdom breaking in, don't we? Um, like Liz's story. And then at times we feel like, I can't even see it. Where are you? And we experience disappointment. So my question is this morning, when disappointment comes knocking at the door, we can't pretend it's not there. It's real. But we don't want to become disappointed people. Disappointment. Sometimes whenever I talk about something, I'm kind of faced with it during the week. And this week, um, I felt that disappointment was at my door. And, uh, and to be honest, I'm going to be honest with you, um, I kind of entertained it for a little while. Um, it took me a little while to realise what was going on, and I, and I kind of feasted on it a little bit. I don't know if you can relate to that, that you go, oh yes, and then there was this and this. Um, and it kind of leads on, it's like the snowball. And then I kind of twigged, oh, <laughs> we're talking about disappointment, and actually this is what I'm partnering with. Well, hold on a minute. Let me fight a little bit. Let me contend. Because I do want to say that we do need to be ready to contend, to fight, for, to fight against disappointment rather than partner it with it. 
So I wonder, um, for you, what areas do you feel like you're carrying a huge heavy bag on your shoulders where you felt disappointed? And perhaps it's a struggle with an addiction that's just really hard to shake. Perhaps your debt is spiraling and it's just getting out of control. Or your marriage is hard. Relationships just let you down. Or maybe you had hoped for this job or this promotion or a course and actually it just didn't come to be even though you thought it was for you. Or maybe you've been praying for healing and nothing seems to, to be moving in that area. And maybe you feel let down by God or let down by others or let down by yourself this morning. I also wonder if we've... Um, We've partnered, um, we've maybe entertained disappointment um, from quite a while back. And, and we've maybe just walled off a certain area in our life. And we've gone, well, I'm not going to let you in to that God. Um, and I feel that this morning what he might start to do is just start to um, evoke some of those feelings um, and some of those areas that maybe in the past we've gone, oh, that was kind of okay and I can justify that disappointment. Um, but actually what he might start to do is just want to bring some of those to the forefront. And that's because he loves you, and that's because he's for you, and that's because he wants more freedom for you this morning. So just to lie, um, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit just to move as we talk. Just, Holy Spirit, you are always welcome here, but we just ask you to increase your presence with us as we journey this. May we just know your grace and know your love. Amen. Maybe you have justified that disappointment, but it's kind of left um, thoughts going round and round, like a, a wee reel um, of comments in your head or just a distaste in your mouth. Um, I feel like there really is freedom this morning in the room um, to, get, um, to get free from some of this as we journey. We need to be careful that the huge waves of disappointment don't cause us to lose sight of whose boat we're in. And if we recognize that we're in God's boat, then it really matters that we acknowledge that it's not just us on our own with our own disappointment. Jesus was in the boat experiencing the same wind and waves and he was sleeping because he knew peace. He was peaceful, he was fearless and he was strong. He is the strength in our disappointment. And I want us this morning to look at Abraham, Abraham and his relationship with God. Abraham was 99. He came from Ur, um, which is um, like modern day Iraq, um, when God spoke to him. And we're going to just see, um, hear a little bit of that story. Genesis 17 um, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell uh, face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. And at a time of, uh, of, of 
the community worshipping all different gods. Like it was polytheism which was going on. For Abraham to say yes to this offer, um, this promise, was massive. Um, so for him to put his trust in God as one was really radical. God asked him to leave his home and he promised three things. He promised relationship, he promised descendants, and he promised land. But right, I mean, 99, you know, children were not forthcoming, right? And, uh, and yet, he just does it. Abraham is faithful. And later on, God says, I am your shield. And I, I feel like this is is um, a moment where Abraham learns to take hold of God's strength. In the past, when people went out to battle, they would have their um, shield and they would have their family arms on it. Um, or they would have, you know, um, you know, like what they, who is supporting them? So who is behind them? We come with this strength, you know? So in our house, that might be Captain America, the shield, because I have young boys and um, Captain America's shield, but you knew that Captain America had the strength, right? Um, if Ben was going to fight for our family, he might wear something like this. And I feel like with my father-in-law in the room, um, he, uh, it, this will earn me um, bonus points, right? The couples... Um, the heritage there, and he would go to fight um, with knowing that he is supported and he is part of the couple's line. And, uh, and in, uh, in the Narnia book, C.S. Lewis um, uses the shield to show that Peter is not relying on his own strength, that Aslan is his strength, that this shield that he holds is not his own, um, is representing that Aslan will be supporting him in battle. So what I want to ask you is whose shield are you standing behind? Because if it's your own in disappointment, it will not hold very well. But if you stand knowing that you are a child with a great inheritance and part of an amazing family line, it will hold firm and he will be your strength. I'm going to read um, a little bit. As it goes on, Abraham... Um, Um, I'm, I'm watching our time, and I'm not going to read the whole story, actually. I'm so sorry, I was going to. Um, but I'm going to um, just reduce it a little bit. But, of course, Abraham is called, and he is asked to take his son, Isaac, and um, to go and make a sacrifice, and, of course, to sacrifice Isaac. Now, Rebecca would be having her issues right there with that call, right? I would be saying, you what? And no, and I'm disappointed in you. Um, but, but Abraham goes, okay, I trust in your goodness and in your character. Okay. And he walks Isaac and they go um, up the mountain and, uh, and he is ready, even when his son asks him, where are we getting this sacrifice from? 
And he says, the Lord will provide. And I, I just can't help but think how he is not battling with disappointment in God. But you know what it says? It says, you have not withheld. Like God says to Abraham, you have not withheld. Like that is a mark of their relationship. Rebecca might have been withholding a lot. You know, I, I sometimes could say, you know, you can have that, but you can't have that. You know, you, you're, you can have this much, but not that much. But Abraham goes, okay, I'm trusting. You are my shield. And God says, you have not withheld. He understood worship. But what are we holding back? What are we saying? Well, you can have that, but not this. This is too special. Um, this is too important to me. I trust you in this, but not that. And when disappointment comes, we need to see how good he is. What are we afraid of releasing to him in case we get hurt again? Bill Johnson from Bethel says, from the greatest loss can come the greatest victory. What the enemy meant for bad is the seed of divine invitation. If we can catch this, we will be terribly powerful with his power, right? <laughs> from the greatest loss can come the greatest victory. What the enemy meant for bad is the seed of divine invitation. Abraham, for me, has learned to experience and process disappointment from the place of being held in the loving arms of God. He stands with God as his shield. He was standing in a hopeless circumstance. God had said, I will give you descendants and the, this covenant will come through Isaac. I mean, he was risking destroying some, you know, his son that was promised this, um, this covenant. Romans 4.18 says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. He chose to believe. He had confidence in God's goodness. And I want to ask us today, I want to ask you today, do you have confidence in God's goodness? Do you have confidence that God is good no matter what? Do you have confidence in his character? I'm going to read um, a psalm. We love David, the high and the low guy, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to read one of his psalms, 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. Um, I'm going to read on, but I want to just hold us there. Because David is probably writing from um, the northern border. And actually, when you were there, um, David would have been used to going to the temple um, a lot and, and worshipping and, and being part. Maybe it's like the, the legacy conference, only better. Um, but he would have, maybe if you lived in the northern border, like that, that would have um, taken you about, maybe you would have just visited once a year to Jerusalem, right? 
So he's like, he's, he's quite far away. He's feeling quite isolated. He's feeling quite lonely. And he has people saying, where is your God anyway? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to my rock, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony and my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. David teaches us that when we are under attack, um, we worship. David teaches us wonderfully about the sacrifice of praise. And it is a sacrifice. And I want to put my hand up and say, it feels sore at times to worship. It feels sore. David um, had a bit of a, 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 we all have funny characters, don't we? We all, uh, we all get things wrong. And David um, had an affair with Bathsheba and she was having a child. And um, Nathan, the prophet, warned David and he said, David, this child is going to die. And David said, no. And he, he fasted and he prayed and he repented he did everything. He went through the checklist and he did it all. And the baby dies. Do you know what he did? He got up, he washed himself, and he went to the tabernacle to worship God. I really believe there is a big call on the church um, to consecrate ourselves, to call ourselves to something greater than what we see. When the disappointment comes, to push ourselves to worship, not till we feel like it. We will be waiting all day. Our worship leaders are fantastic. They are anointed. They are wonderful. But it is not their choice to call you to worship. It is not their choice to, for you to call your soul to worship. Does that make sense? I've said that really weirdly. Um, it is your choice to call your soul. Why soul? Come and worship, just like David did. He is our example. In that moment, when we are low, we rise and we call our souls to rise. And it will feel sacrificial, but that is consecration. Okay. There's this um, little gap behind a waterfall and uh, you can hide in it and watch the water go down. I feel like for our church, um, God is asking us to jump, to leap. In the moments that we want to hide and back away and just watch on, he's calling us to leap. And at times we will look ridiculous 
And you might feel like raising your hands or dancing or, um, you know, moving. We call our bodies to worship. And we're saying, come on, rise up. No, of course you don't feel it. But there is breakthrough lying ahead. Proverbs talks about sick hearts in relation to sorrow, um, the sorrow of the heart, a broken spirit is drying the bones, hope deferred, making the heart sick. And of course, sick hearts reduce expectations of churches and we need healthy hearts. We need to get real with our emotion of disappointment. We just can't pretend that it's not there because it affects us, but we need to know how to take the pain to God. And we really need to know that we are held securely by a God who loves us the most. We've seen people that have partnered with disappointment, haven't we? And there's this understanding, if we have no expectations, then we will have no disappointments. But actually, I've been there, and what it feels like is we feel afraid, Fear overtakes. We don't want to step into anything new. We don't want to trust anybody. Our walls are really high. And we feel like we've made ourselves a little safe place of self-protection, but that's just an illusion. It leads to suspicion and inability to trust. And the enemy just wants us under there because God's out. He's left out of this. And we see cynicism and skepticism develop. And we're unable to believe, which just stops us receiving his promises when they come. We feel resentment and we start to see little patterns emerging. We feel self-pity and we have um, this sort of self-indulgent attitude and we have little pity parties. That's why they're called pity parties, because they actually feel quite good. Because it, it relieves us from our responsibility of doing something and putting it on others or on the world. Well, they owe us, yeah? This entitlement culture, like, I had a bad experience with some um, church leaders, as I'm sure everybody has, and and I felt, well, do you know what? The church owes me, um, or leadership owes me. Let me see um, them prove to me um, that... uh, that there's something different here. And it was just entitlement. It was just my own um, pity party. And whenever we're in that moment, whenever we're under that box, we are so vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because we'll do anything. We'll go to any empty well just to meet that need for a moment because we want the pain gone, but we're not going to the proper place. It will not be gone. It will stay. It's a poor idea of freedom. And we're going to miss out of all that God has for us. And he has this opportunity to just run to him and rest in him and to develop his relationship with us. We must guard our heart with his truth and his good character and let nothing else in. The enemy is just looking to plant um, rotten seeds, bad seeds that will develop into rotten fruit. And we need to stand like Abraham did and say, you are my shield. I trust your strength. I want to look at another little area of just being disappointed in ourselves because that's quite a big one, isn't it? 
where we have unmet expectations, where we have lost relationships, where we've made decisions and they just didn't pay off and you're finding that it's just robbing you of your joy, of your confidence, of your motivation and of your passion. And there's this understanding of failure in that. And I feel like we've got this understanding of failure a bit wrong. The enemy is game playing here. And if we're not aware of what his game is, we're going to play right into his hands. In Eden, Adam and Eve just weren't aware. They didn't need to be of good and bad. They didn't need to be because they were loved so very well. Um, And it was the enemy that challenged them. And he said, are you really loved? Have you heard that in your disappointment? Are you really loved? The enemy will assault us with shame and guilt and self-hatred. But you know what the Holy Spirit does? He convicts us because we need convicted. He clothes us. He heals us and he loves us. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from our unrighteousness. We can never disappoint God. We're not a disappointment to God. He's never surprised by our disappointments or when we mess up badly. He saw it coming a mile off and he just planned to love on us the whole time. Katia Adams recently said that when we fail, it feels like we got it wrong and we are disappointing, especially in the gifts of the Spirit. When we step out and we say, I've got a word of knowledge. Um, It's this. hmm, It didn't quite go well. I've got a a prophetic um, picture. What about this? No. And whenever um, we get it wrong, we feel, oh, we've failed. We've got it wrong. This is... And... and, uh, And yet I was watching Connor, who is um, Heather and David's um, wee boy, and uh, he is just learning to walk. And uh, and last week I was sitting at the back and uh, watching as he kind of was like, you know, like he would just head off in a direction. But oh gosh, that was terrible. Um, He would head off in a direction, I'll go this way. And he would get it wrong and like stumble over this way or, um, or fall on his bum. And I didn't at any point feel like I should go up and tell Connor Oh, I'm a bit disappointed in you. <laughs> I see what you did wrong there. Do you see that? You kind of, you, you know, you went for it. No, of course you don't. The, the atmosphere at the back was, oh, this is joy. This is fun. Look at Connor go. This is hilarious. This is brilliant. We love Connor. We want to see him walk. So he's going to be bumping into things. Do you get it? We find joy in his try. We need to learn to be okay with bumping into things and getting things wrong. We need to learn to live in a place of process. God adores watching you try. If it was anything like the group back there watching we, Connor, he adores watching you try. You are loved and nothing surprises him, but he longs for a real relationship. Um, Over the past few weeks, I've been listening or I've been thinking about this song by Jeremy Riddle, and it's called uh, All Hail King King Jesus. And I want to just read a little bit of it out. Um, There was a moment when the lights went out, when death had claimed its victory. The king of love had given up his life, the darkest day in history. There on the cross that made for sinners, 
For every curse his blood atoned. One final breath and it was finished, but not the end we could have known. For the earth began to shake and the veil was torn. A sacrifice was made as the heavens roared. All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All hail King Jesus. All hail the saviour of the world. There would have been disappointed onlookers that day. Let me tell you. But what they didn't know was that God was planting a seed of opportunity in that moment. And we need to position our hearts. We get honest. We don't need to be presentable. We don't accuse God. We don't demand an explanation. We can ask for his understanding. The problem is never with God. We position ourselves to know his heart. We don't wall it off. Bart Hadaway, who is a pastor, an American pastor, says, to the degree that we abandon ourselves to God and let go of self-protection is the degree that we open our heart and position ourselves for his healing. God's loving correction is always filled with hope, even if it's painful initially. 139, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And we need to get um, ready to turn and change. Job, you know the story of Job. And uh, I'm not going to read it. um, But um, Job, of course, lost everything. And yet he turned and he said... Um, I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I will repent at the end. I will repent in dust and ashes. We use this sacrifice of praise as a powerful powerful weapon um, in our hands. We recognize that God is good through it all. And we get ready to turn and change our ways and bring our stuff and bring our disappointment. Hebrews 10, um, I'll read the last verse. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Don't let the wave of disappointment cause you to forget whose boat you're in. Whose shield are you walking behind this morning? Bring your feeling of disappointment and sit with God who is always good and, uh, and loves you. Thanksgiving brings us into the manifest presence of God and connects us with what he's doing and saying in the midst of our circumstances. Experience and process your disappointment from being held with a loving hand. Allow his peace and heart to infiltrate yours as you journey your disappointment. Get ready to turn and change. Praise him because he holds on to his promises and his character doesn't change. And grow in this, um, in your intimacy with him this season. This is such an invitation to develop your relationship with him. Even what the enemy means for evil, he turns it. 
Psalm 73, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. The enemy seeks to plant seeds that will bear bad fruit in our lives. But if we can move this season to consecrate ourselves and get ourselves before him, and get our hearts right, we're going to be learning to see what the enemy is doing and planting his seeds a mile off. And I'm not going to wait and entertain disappointment. I'm going to call it and and worship. We have to learn to fight for freedom, worshiping when it doesn't feel like it. But you know what it does? It brings freedom as we call it in. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just really feel like this is when we, when we struggle with worship and we go and, uh, and we try and worship um, and we feel like, oh, I have to wait. I have to wait until I feel it. Um, if we can step in that moment, you are stepping into freedom, okay? It's a real invitation this morning to choose to worship him. Choosing to honor God and trusting his goodness doesn't feel free when the disappointment starts, but it brings freedom. And I feel like every day we have this choice, don't we? Because it doesn't feel good initially to have our time, um, our our time that maybe we've like, we've consecrated and we've said every morning, I am gonna meet with you and I'm gonna have my coffee with Jesus. I'm gonna say, what is it, Lord? And it might not feel good because you're lying in your pit and you just want to lie on. But it's a choice, isn't it? And when disappointment comes, it will not feel free initially to worship. But freedom is there. And freedom will come as we choose every day. We are a weapon of mass destruction to the enemy if we can learn how strong and how big we are in the room right now against any seeds of um, disappointment that have taken, taken root or any attempts to be planted. Over half time, we watched this film, Gulliver's Travels, and, um, and it was so interesting because um, Gulliver didn't recognize his power um, when he lived in his land, and, uh, and he felt really quite insignificant, but it took him to change his perspective and go to a land that he was actually physically big in to realize, yeah, I do carry power. And I feel like we need to get that, don't we? We need to realize that sometimes we feel like, oh, disappointment, The wave is big, it's so big. The enemy is doing something, oh, it's so big. We need to get our perspective right, don't we? We are the ones who carry the kingdom. We are the ones behind the shield. 
And the enemy can throw stuff at us, but we can thwart it. We can thwart plans. Any plans that are coming my way, I thwart them. Don't you want to? That's fun. That sounds fun. Let's advance God's kingdom in Bangor. Let's choose hard things well so that our soul is well and our heart is formed with Christ on high. Let's follow in the strong relationships and obedience and consecration of the generations before us. Let's allow him into the places of disappointment that we've walled up because there's more freedom to come. Let's get ready to turn and repent and worship the God who is faithful, who is good, who loves you. To trust in his strength and goodness right in the middle of your biggest disappointments will lead you into your finest moments with the Father. To trust in his strength and goodness right in the middle of your biggest disappointments will lead you into your finest moments with the Father. So this is what um, I really sensed that uh, God was saying um, just about this morning was that the enemy is playing this game and, uh, and there's this game called I Doubt It. Okay, it's called something different in America, um, and, but it's a card game. And, um, uh, and it's really, the idea is calling bluff. So the enemy has dealt you cards, and he says, there you go, it's, it's over. Doesn't it look like it's over for you? And you need to realize that you can call his bluff. No, I call your bluff. I doubt it. I doubt it that you're winning this game. Okay, if we buy out and partner with disappointment in a moment, you will miss the moment where you discover that you've been winning all along. He's lying to you and he wants you to miss these moments that God is planting seeds for you to go, I respond, I respond like David did. He felt the disappointment, but he responded in worship. Like Abraham did, I trust in your goodness and character. It's a game. The cards are dealt. You're holding the finest cards because you are standing behind the shields. I think you can call his bluff this morning. And there's an invitation. Let's stand to worship.